When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So, my guest on the podcast today is comedian and writer Emily Benita. Hello. Hi Sophie, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me for this extra long episode. <laughs> oh, it's it's a special, it's a special special. Yeah, we'll get into this. But um, <laughs> to start with, I just want to ask, what is your history with S Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? History, where do I start? I think the easiest way to succinctly get across my history with S Club is that I had a Joe Barbie doll like it wasn't like a Mattel thing it was like a knockoff but she you you would press like a button in her chest and then little snippets of I think it was Reach and Never Had a Dream Come True came out so there you go it was an eerily lifelike Joe O'Meara because you know how a lot of like figurines that tie in with things are all a bit they're not quite Madame Tussauds they're more the regional wax museum kind of rendition <laughs> this was like legit um and yes I have seen I, I want to say all of it because it for me it was the show would be on I think a little bit too early from when I came back from school because I was sent to a school well um, out of my sort of local area um, mm-hmm. and it would just be a case of like whether the traffic <laughs> flowed reasonably well and that was it that was my kind of like stressful commute like am I going to be home in time um, but mm-hmm. I remember this uh, this special special episode very clearly. So today we're talking about Boyfriends and Birthdays which aired on the 12th of December 1999 This is the second of two specials that aired between Miami 7 and LA 7. Uh, For some reason, the first special, Back to the 50s, was on CITV. I have no idea why, but for this one, we're back on CBBC. 
And you can tell because it looks like it was really made on the cheap. Uh, In Back to the 50s, they went back in time. There was a drag race with cars, not a sort of RuPaul drag race. Um, But in in Boyfriends and Birthdays, they spend most of their time in a trailer park, really, don't they? Yes, it is a slice of uh, Americana and... In terms of how the specials came out, like, yep, time travel and now just, okay, that's a thing that happened. And we've kind of balanced it out with some more kind of homegrown emotional. It's like the kind of equivalent of a bottle episode almost where so much money Mm. is spent on one episode in the series that they have to try and desperately claw back the budget from somewhere else. Yeah, I kind of apologised in advance when I asked you to do this episode because <laughs> it's it's nearly 50 minutes long and it really didn't need to be. Like a lot of the normal length episodes have more plot than this one does. It kind of has, so it, it's trying to have so much going on and yet nothing really happens. But I think it means that there's more moments for like awkward gags and... I wasn't worried at all when you said, oh, I'm really sorry, this is a bit longer. I was like, oh, no, I remember this one so clearly. Um, And I was it was a it was a joy to watch it back. I am amazed that I would have been nine on the 12th of December 1999. And I probably got to see it because school would probably have finished around then. And yet it is like Mm. the least Christmassy themed thing you could possibly watch um but I guess it kind of meant oh the holidays are here because I get to watch S Club (laughs) yeah they could have made it a Christmas special they mustn't have known when it was gonna air or maybe they just didn't really care when they were writing it they were like oh we need to make something cheap let's just put them in this trailer park where they're gonna hang around a lot have a bit of drama to do with Rachel's boyfriend yeah I feel like S Club 7 is very much zero fucks given in terms of anything Mm -hmm. that makes sense. So, yeah, who needs a Christmas-themed special in the run-up to Christmas? Let's just have sunshine and so many crop tops and three-quarter-length trousers. (laughs) Like, the fashion really sort of clicked into place for me and reminded me of like new look windows on the high street for about five years yeah do you remember tammy girl i love that show oh same i lusted after a pair of those um like really wide bottom cords and they did them in like Mm. red pink and black but I was um, I was quite an overweight child and the waist was so skinny. There was no way that I was ever going to be able to fit into them. But Tammy Girl was massive and I used to kind of model myself. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself now because, what, 2001 was when Avril Lavigne's masterpiece of an album um, came mm. out. But I, like her on the front just looking kind of grungy in a three-quarter length cardigan and big kind of baggy trousers, that was... That was very much a, a mood, as we'd say today. And like a tie as well, a loose tie. A loose tie. And then all of the bracelets, like with studs and like rubber and chokers. I mean, this is very much like sunnier and definitely more sort of Tammy Girl. And I think Morgan was kind of the the next mm. step after that. But like, it just looked like there, Tina in particular in this episode it's kind of like a handkerchief 
as a top yeah kind of wedge shoes I remember the Venga boys wearing that like those kind of like butterfly tie sequin tops um mm-hmm. and all the all the smart shirts and the kind of baggy trousers that the boys wear <laughs> I felt so fond of them all. Yeah, at one point in this episode, they're even talking about clothes they want to buy, aren't they? And I think one of them mentions like a halter top. I can't remember what else they mention now. Yeah, I think um, it's it's trousers with a stripe down the side. Is what Tina is. Tina's got her eye on those. It's because it's Rachel describing a halter neck, but because it's written by. uh, the the genius scribe of Spice World, Kim Fuller, who clearly, I think Google wasn't really much of a thing then and clearly just wasn't going to consult any woman or anyone with any sense of fashion whatsoever. So he just describes a halter neck as how he understands it. Because I feel like Rachel <laughs> would be pretty savvy and know what a halter neck is. But yeah, there's a little bit of chat about, about clothes, which is quite gleeful, right? It's all about like, ooh, nice things. And chocolate but we're getting ahead of ourselves should we should we start from the top <laughs> yeah so in this special the band are still traveling from Miami to LA I looked up this journey and it's apparently about 40 hours so it is very long yeah there's there's lots of time for plenty to happen and to be fair like going back <laughs> in time I don't know what that then does how that translates into your duration of journey but 40 hours plenty can happen so it's amazing that we only got two specials from the journey in a way yeah I think at the beginning of LA7 in I think the first episode they're still traveling and there's a whole kind of thing about them stopping off in a wood and it's like the Blair Witch Project (laughs) but then in episode two or three they arrive in LA properly I think it's just something that I really enjoyed looking back on it is that I know the premise is wild and I know that it doesn't make a lot of logical sense in terms of cause and effect. But I think what Kim Fuller understood was his audience, like completely, because that's the kind of thinking that you have when you make up games on the playground with your friend. And Mm -hmm. this happens and then this happens and then, oh, this can completely turnover and we don't need to explain this is just what it is now so and yet with the occasional kind of like modern pop culture reference I guess to amuse themselves um because they're all so young they're all like 20 24 Mm -hmm. tops in this like they're all just like plucked fresh out of um graduating from various like performance schools and things and they're all really game like I like that they're not kind of um their general attitude is that they they really go for it. I think they know it's silly and I, I like that. Yeah, you can tell they're all trying very hard. They're, yeah. they're all very committed. <laughs> yeah. So we start off with them waiting at the side of the road because Rachel is calling her boyfriend from a payphone and they're all really fed up. Like, oh, how many hours have we wasted waiting for Rachel? <laughs> Bradley says when Rachel was born, she didn't have an umbilical cord. She had a phone line. What a gag. (laughs) And again, we're talking about phone lines. Like, oh, you know, a time when nobody's on their mobile phone, just living in the moment. Yeah, Rachel can't just text her boyfriend. She has to stop off at a payphone. I wonder how often they're actually stopping off so that she can call her boyfriend. And that must be expensive. 
that's a, an mm. international call at a random payphone by the side of the road. That's why she can't afford to fly home later. She's been spending all her money on calling him. He's got nothing to complain about. <laughs> we hear a bit of the conversation where she's going, no, I miss you more. No, I love you more. All that sort of thing. Everyone's sort of rolling their eyes and eventually they decide to just drive away without her. And this is where we get the opening titles set to two in a million. The camera is on the bonnet of the car as it's moving along the road. And it's kind of like the beginning of the naked gun. Uh, <laughs> but not, but there's nothing funny going on. It's just that same sort of shot. And on the road, we see everyone's names flashing up. It's quite... Uh... I think that's where the highest production values are in the whole thing. It's quite a slick opening sequence. Yeah, I agree. I think in general, the specials and then LA7 look like they're a bit slicker than before. And I think the band look like they're a bit sort of glossier as well. Like maybe they've had a bit of a a makeover or maybe they've just aged a little bit since they shot (laughs) Miami 7. They've grown into themselves a bit more. I think they must have just also had quite a cash injection because you know the first series went well and then if you're commissioned again Mm -hmm. it's easier to get just that that much more in the budget yeah they think they've maybe invested in better cameras but not in the locations of the series (laughs) but they end up reversing all the way back to pick up Rachel where they left her and they're all sort of making fun of her but then she tells them that her boyfriend has basically given her an ultimatum hasn't he yes the band or the boyfriend is the split down yeah. line. Mm. Yeah, he wants her to move back to England like immediately because he's fed up of her being away. Now remind me, Sophie. Sorry in the in the prior series or the um, special before, do we do we see him at all? Never. Oh, so he's just kind of at the other end of the phone, and is yeah. he mentioned? In the first series, has Rachel like got a boyfriend or is it just like ultimate sort of plot device kind of character that just appears? In he this? is mentioned throughout the whole thing, really. Um, mm. In the first episode, I think they missed a trick not introducing him because in the first episode, they're in the UK mm. and she's talking about, oh, I'm really upset about leaving my boyfriend behind. But we do, we never actually see him. And then throughout the rest of the series, she occasionally brings him up and is kind of sulking about missing him but yeah we never meet him we know he's called matt and that's basically it matt matt that's all you that's all you need to know yeah so because they've been driving for so long they decide that they really need to stop somewhere for a rest but they're in this sort of desolate town they try a few different hotels but one has no room one's too expensive one isn't a hotel it's someone's house And in the outtakes at the end, John is finding that line really funny. (laughs) I really like the outtakes at the end. That is definitely, it's worth watching those. Um, I I heartily encourage everyone to watch this special. I do. Um, Concentration span wise, it might be tricky. Um, Because it is, it's a commitment. It is just under an hour. Um, But they're, they're really adorable. Like you can see the charisma of them coming through Mm -hmm. in their outtakes and why they are good performers 
yeah, that I particularly enjoyed uh, John corpsing quite heavily over that line. Yeah, the, the outtakes are a new thing in the specials and then in LA7 they come up as well. In Miami 7 they didn't bother with those for some reason. Mm, maybe everyone just hit it every time. <laughs> they were so professional. Yeah, maybe mm. that is true because now they might feel a little bit more relaxed and more sort of like friendly with each other. So there might be a bit more messing around. Yeah. So Joe finds out that there's a campsite nearby Rachel isn't keen. She says, you know, I don't like to hear you use words like that. And she's talking about the word camping. Uh, But they tell her it's actually a trailer park. So don't worry, there's no tents involved. And they arrive at the trailer park and are immediately like, we can't stay here. I don't really know what they were expecting, to be honest, because I don't think that many trailer parks are very nice. And it's not the worst trailer park I've ever seen. I mean, it is for the kids. We've got to keep it light. Um, and I think it's to do with kind of Kim Fuller's patchy characterization, sort of caricatures. Like Rachel is, you know, quite girly in that sense that she has a boyfriend and maybe <laughs> she's not that keen on um, it's a bit of a more rustic getaway, shall we say, um, which just reminds me of like Posh in Spice World. Um, mm-hmm. th- th- there's a big overlap there. Um, and she is seen to be like, well, both of them have seemed to be kind of like killjoys in that respect. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, not the worst trailer park I've ever seen. At least it's pretty quiet. There isn't really anyone staying there apart from this one family. Yeah. Uh, these kids run up to them and the mum is kind of like, oh, thank God someone else is here to entertain my kids. And the kids are called Bobby Joe, Mary Ann, Jimmy Bob and Laurie Beth. <laughs> and then... They the band introduced themselves with their own kind of redneck, double-barreled first name, <laughs> it, which I can't quite get a handle on. I don't know whether it's... I mean, it is quite stereotypical. Um, yeah. And and it's just such a gear change, isn't it, from, oh, we're, we're back to the 50s. There's this level of, like, Americana, and now we're into, like, hard-hitting social commentary. Like, it could equally be, like, the setting for a Ken Loach film, like the American equivalent. I would have liked to see it take that turn in this one episode. <laughs> Why does everything around here have to have character? Someone tell me we're not staying here. We're definitely not staying here. No way. Not in a million years. Not in a billion years. Hey, who are you? Are you staying here? Of course they're staying here. We're really glad y'all showed up. Actually, we were just about... We were getting really lonely out here all by ourselves. This is Bobby Joe. This is Marianne. This is Jimmy Bob. This is Lori Beth. And I'm Rosemarie. Hey. Hi. Hi. This is Paulie Paul, Johnny John, Joey Joe. Um, I'm, I'm Brenda Lee. I'm Tina. I'm Rachel, and this is Hannah Muffin Poohead. Just Hannah for short. Well, now that y'all are here, we're going to have a great time. But they, um, yeah, th- this show was on in America as well, so I wonder what any Americans watching thought of this stereotype. I did not like, realise that. Is that what they think of us? <laughs> that is wild. I guess it's actually quite a... Um, it's quite a sort of compassionate view like I guess it's still from a kid's point of view and they're not too down on the fact that this woman is raising her kids sort of ostensibly by herself and they all kind of chip in and 
enjoy themselves yeah they're a nice family aren't they it's just the ridiculous names like it's difficult to care later on when jimmy bob is having a load of problems because he's just got such a stupid name yeah i looked up the actress who plays the mum because she isn't on imdb (gasps) and she just has her name in the credits at the end so i googled her and there was like no results at all so i don't know if it was a kind of made-up name or something but weirdly when i looked it up one of the first image results that came up was of someone that I went to school with. Never. Because the actress is called Sage something. And this girl that I went to school with apparently works for a company called Sage. But it was so weird. I looked up this name and I was like, wait a minute, that's that's that girl I went to school with. That was really odd. Oh, the internet is wild in terms of how we figure out how we're connected to each other or not i feel kind of i feel a a little sort of pang in my heart if that's her i mean she smashed it if that's her only role ever yeah she's just kind of fallen off the face of the earth unless she's just changed her name to something different Mm. but um yeah on i on imdb she just isn't on there so i had to watch the credits again to see what her name was it's like sage and then i don't know how this is pronounced but it's like s c h i a T-H-E, ski or something. Hmm. It's a heck of a name. Like, hard to miss. It's quite unique. Maybe she's, she could be really successful now and she deliberately changed her name because she was like, I don't want people seeing me in that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she wanted to leave it behind. Fair, you know. But the kids are all like, oh, come play with us. So the band have a bit of a, a huddle Paul and Bradley are up for just leaving a bit heartlessly, uh, but the others feel bad, so they all decide to stay. And we then see the band in their little trailer, which apparently sleeps seven, but it's tiny. And there are only two beds. And Joe goes, well, the other things turn into beds, don't they? And Bradley is like, how? By magic? And Joe goes, no, by kicking them. And just full on, (laughs) like, kicks a table over. Like, really furious for some reason. Well, magic kicking, is there much of a difference, really? You mentioned that you had a Joe doll before. I would have liked it if it it had said lines from this show instead. That would have been good. If it had just gone, no, by kicking them. I mean, as quotes go, and role model-wise, Joe has had a patchy history, shall we say, long (laughs) after the special. They're not happy with the trailer. Hannah says, this is mega poppy. Um, And Joe says, I'm not HP, which is apparently short for happy, even though it's the same number of syllables. Oh, oh, getting getting in with the kids lingo. Yeah, and it comes up twice more in the episode. They're trying to make HP happen as a a shorthand for happy. HP happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, Rachel says she needs the loo and Joe sort of hands her a trowel of some sort. Um, and after that, they're outside. The kids come up to them and are like, do you know any songs? So they perform Bring It All Back in the middle of this trailer park with these four kids just watching. And I think it's possibly like the saddest setting for a musical <laughs> number so far. I think a close second is the time they sung in this shop that looked a bit like Debenhams and they were just kind of strutting down the shirt aisle 
but yeah it's so <laughs> odd because they're so they're being so enthusiastic in this performance but they're just in the middle of this like abandoned trailer park yeah they are really up for just sort of popping up and performing anywhere so kudos to them for that i think there's not too much in terms of uh stage craft but they can just wheel it out in my head though i did like to think of it as that they were just miming and dancing and there was no backing track and they're all just clapping yeah. clapping complete silence and movement yeah it's not clear where the music is coming from is it no no <laughs> they're not big into acapella <laughs> Yeah, usually there is an explanation, like because usually they're performing on stage or something, or they'll get out a a big CD player. But yeah, like you said, I think maybe they're just doing it a cappella and they've just added it in later. But John does the worm at one point, which yes. is quite impressive. Paul does like a triple pirouette, and we don't see his feet. So I think they must have like put something else under his feet at that point because he couldn't do that on the dirt. That would be ridiculous. And yeah, they have performed this song in the show before. It isn't particularly new or exciting in this one. And it was also the theme tune in Miami 7. So I'm a little bit fed up of hearing it now. I think this this might be its swan song, hopefully, because when we get into <laughs> LA 7, Reach is the theme tune. And there's a new album. Excellent. Yeah. That's long gone. We don't need to bring it all back anymore after this episode. Hopefully this is it. It is a good song. I do really like it. It's very catchy. But I have just been hearing it a lot over the last few weeks. <laughs> Start to get a Pavlovian response to it. Like, oh God, I've got to do a podcast every time I hear it. <laughs> to be fair, I guess the kids did ask, do you know any songs? And they're probably like, this is the one we know. <laughs> like, yeah, this is the doubt. classic. Yeah, so they finish and the mum is like, wow, you should form a band or something. And Rachel goes off to call her boyfriend uh, while the rest of the band just sort of hang out with the family. Uh, it turns out one of them has got a birthday coming up. Jimmy Bob is going to be nine. And Hannah goes, wow, that makes me feel so old. It's like, Calm down, Hannah. You're like 18. <laughs> that makes me feel so old. Oh, I don't even want to get into how old I feel particularly now, Sophie. <laughs> Jimmy Bob says that his dad is going to come visit for his birthday, but his sister is like, oh, well, he might not. He didn't last year, kind of setting things up for later. And then after the kids have gone to bed, the mum basically tells the band that she's been living in the trailer park for three years because her car is broken, so they can't afford to leave. And Hannah is like, oh, Joe's really good with cars. And to be fair, this is something that has been established in the show before. So this hasn't come out of nowhere. Joe is some sort of mechanical whiz in Miami 7. Uh, so she takes Joe to see the car and it's an absolute state. She can't really do anything with it. And the mum is just kind of like, oh, OK. Like She seems quite miffed, really. I don't know what <laughs> she expected from Joe to do with that. Especially because Joe's just got this like tiny spanner with her. Like, I mean, I'm impressed that she has any kind of tools on her whilst touring with her band. I appreciate that level of preparedness. But what does this, what does uh, the character played by Sage really expect? You know? nice strangers pull into town yeah they open up the bonnet and there's like plants growing in there isn't there rachel comes back from calling her boyfriend and john goes 
Hey, Rach, how's your bit of trouser? (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing all the euphemisms to try and find around kind of making it. I mean, this would probably be rated you for universal i don't think it would even push into a pg there's no mild peril there's no end there's no Mm -hmm. kind of um any sort of spice of peril really it's like lemon and herb equivalent um and yeah yeah, like it's um it's quite a uh it's kind of archaic like we've got this mix of like trying to make hp happen of this slang and then bit of trouser is like i'm sorry are we now in a vaudeville (laughs) musical in the 40s yeah and this is where hp comes up again because rachel says he's not hp (laughs) so (laughs) stop trying to make hp happen but uh, yeah this is the point where her boyfriend has said officially it's over unless you come home by the end of the week and i mean if rachel was your friend how would you react to this what would your advice to her be in this situation I don't know. I mean, it's quite, um, I feel like Matt knew what he was getting into. Like Rachel's a star. Don't try and dull her shine, you know, like, and everyone else also like financially depends on (laughs) all of them being together. Um, I think his dilemmas go and in in a week as well. Um, Yeah, I think Matt is in the wrong here because I feel like yeah if I was her friends I'd be like oh well (laughs) leave him then (laughs) because yeah he like you said he knew what he was getting into and he could have just called and broken up with her because he was finding it hard but he had to sort of give her this ultimatum like make her choose and yeah he's not really letting her sort of live her dreams he's not being very supportive as a boyfriend no, I, I had a quick look on uh, Rachel Stevens' Wikipedia page and uh, in the kind of lore of the gorillas, which is Damon Albarn's uh, digital um, kind of project, I'm not sure if they're even still mm-hmm. going, like I'm so out of touch. I feel like I am mm-hmm. now aging another sort of 10 or 15 years because I don't know whether the gorillas are an active project or not. Anyway, um, <laughs> it was kind of in their chat that she dated... Stuart, one of the um, 3D <laughs> cartoons oh, right. of the band members, Gorillas, <laughs> And I sort of thought, yeah, I would probably break up with a cartoon as well. <laughs> Maybe Matt is a cartoon. For all we know, he could be because we've never seen him. Never she could have made him up. Yeah, it could be a sort of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit thing going on. Yeah, we don't even know if the band have met him. He could be completely imaginary for all we know. Rachel's just (laughs) causing a bit of drama. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> but the band's response is they're going to get some money together to pay for her to fly home. Again, they're just being very like, oh, well, you have to go then. If he wants you to come home, then you have to go. It's quite a strange response. 
But we get this shot of Rachel kind of sadly feeding bread to some seagulls on the beach while the others are discussing the situation in two different groups. And in one group, John goes, I've been thinking. And Tina goes, oh, don't strain yourself. And then he like pushes her over. And then she's so angry. He tells her to empty her pockets and she like gets proper in his face and goes like, yes, sirry, Bob, out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, these really sort of awkward Americanisms and suddenly very catty and aggro. I mean, this Mm. is the stress. Clearly, they may be on the surface supporting Rachel and thinking, well, we'll get her home. So at least she and Matt can have a conversation face to face. It might be cheaper than... uh, fronting for um pay phones the whole time um but i think this is this is showing the uh, the turmoil that rachel's situation is starting to ripple through the other band members yeah because in the other group joe says i've had an idea and paul goes oh do you need to sit down <laughs> like they're all just so mean to each other and it turns out both groups have had the same idea And they start just screaming at each other like, it was our idea. It was our idea. Like, like you said, I think maybe the stress is getting to them or maybe they've been spending too much time together as well on this 40 hour car journey. Because we don't really know where they actually are at the moment, do we? I'm not sure how far into the journey they've got. They could be near California now. Yeah, in in the middle. (laughs) Maybe 20 yeah. hours in. I mean, I've been on road trips where it's like four hours and within 40 minutes I'm I'm ready to uh, open the door and just roll out. I'm not, I'm not good on long car journeys, so I sympathise. So their plan is they're going to sort of just count up all the money they've got and give it to Rachel, but there isn't enough. They're $100 short, so they decide that they need to raise the money somehow. At first they say, we can sell something we don't need. And John goes, no one's going to give us $100 for Bradley. (laughs) Burn. Oh, oh. And Tina goes, come on, everybody, let's think. And then we kind of hear everyone's thoughts for a few minutes, don't we? We have this weird sort of um, kind of internal thought process and then there starts to become a little bit of like telepathy like a few of the members have actually managed to kind of mind merge um which again is something that can often happen if you're spending probably far too much time together if you're living and working and traveling together um but paul kind of like tips into being like a tech bro at a startup where he starts (laughs) coming up with things that already exist like chairs and cars (laughs) yeah and hannah is thinking we can sell socks and shares but what is a share and why are socks so expensive (laughs) bless her to be fair i still don't understand the stock market so i'm with hannah on this one can't make head or tail of it yeah fair enough and yeah john and joe can somehow hear each other's thoughts and even joe's thoughts are quite aggressive she's thinking (laughs) that she doesn't have any rich relatives john then thinks Oh, I wonder if Joe has any rich relatives. And Joe is like, I just said I didn't, didn't I? Like arguing even in their thoughts. Yeah, no peace, no uh, no respite, no refuge. Yeah. Come on, everybody. Think. We could sell socks and shares. But what is a share? Why are socks so expensive? could invent something. Something you can sit down in. Oh, no, chairs. 
or, or some chairs in a box that you can travel around in. Uh, oh, no, cars. We could be left a load of money by some rich relatives. But I haven't got any rich relatives. I wonder if Joe's got any rich relatives. I just said I didn't, didn't I? Sorry. The kid is the one who suggested they should go busking to earn some money. And they're all like, oh, what a great idea, because none of them thought of that. They've just forgotten that they've got these skills that they can earn money from. And I mean, it's probably in violation of their uh, record contract, but what are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah, we get this scene where Tina is preparing all of them for busking, like it's some sort of military operation. (laughs) Uh, And I do quite like how she's suddenly wearing a hat, isn't she? And then a few seconds later, she's suddenly got a jacket and a stick. And then eventually she's wearing a whole kind of military outfit. I thought that was quite well done. There's a bit of a sort of military theme that that gets picked up in terms of the operations and the focus that is put on um, S Club 7 and how they... I mean, it's full-blown, like, mission time. But, yeah, it's a nice, slick sort of visual um, visual gag. Yeah, at one point she gets all in Bradley's face and is like, I beg your pardon, Sonny, and Bradley looks like he's trying not to laugh. <laughs> uh, and she also says, stand up, chest out, go easy on that last bit, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we refer very softly to the fact that rachel has breasts because she's a developed woman in her early 20s oh my god yeah this comes up a lot rachel is often the butt of these jokes about her chest every few episodes you forget about it and then you're like oh one of those again it's weird watching it back like being well let's say several years older than they are when they're recording it and like how much went over my head at the time Mm -hmm. because it's not really about sex or being sexy it's about being pretty and still like wanted and like girly but I was amazed when that happened I was like oh okay is this for who is this for like who is this gag for (laughs) hmm yeah exactly you could ask that about so many gags in this show who is this aimed at because mm. the majority of it I think is really great for kids because it is exactly that kind mm-hmm. of um mindset and the way that kids think and like tell each other stories and pretend to be pop stars like we we were all like in my, in my day oh, again me feeling old again but we, we were all like you, you would pick a Spice Girl and because I went to school mm-hmm. with my hair in bunches um, I was decreed that I was baby spice, which I was very flattered by, but also like, <laughs> this is terrible casting. Like, I'm not blonde. Um, but y- you you kind of, they're very easy sort of breezy characters to kind of play with on the playground. And again, it just made me think of um, A Hard Day's Night. Like, that's where this started. That kind of young people want to see these figures that we've created and a hard day's night like people wax on about it it's something that I studied as part of my a-level for film in terms of like Mm -hmm. this is what the 60s were like well at the at the top end of them anyway um and it makes as much less as much or less sense than s club 
and and it is like lots of them having like adventures that don't really make sense and then coming back together and there's kind of a rush for a gig and I think it's just because it's in black and white and it's the Beatles people like to make out that it's kind of more genius than it is and it's like well it's the way that it's genius is because it's fun but I think there's a fair bit of like there's a few sort of like adult nods towards like sex and drugs that are all I mean maybe if you play the film Mm -hmm. backwards it's entirely different but yeah I think it's part of that tradition but little bits of it do make me kind of go oh that's really weird to put that in a kid's show like and not the kind of like knowingness that something like SMTV Live had back in the day with like chums Mm -hmm. where it felt like oh (laughs) they're like your older brother and sister kind of mucking about I haven't watched chums in a while but it's probably filth Sophie Davies yeah I remember that I loved SMTV yeah and it was it was a lot of jokes about cat and deck being like an item within the world of the show weren't they and wasn't there an episode of chums where like she cheated on him with Ant or something like that I remember this being a big deal at the time yeah it it managed to kind of push into some stuff because obviously they were kind of spoofing friends and the weird thing is is that the majority of their audience in terms of the kids that they said it was for and now looking back I'm like oh it was just hungover telly that was the time when everyone was starting to get up from being out on a Friday night and chums is just them like I loved how it it's just live and you can hear everyone on the stage floor just pissing themselves like they're like we've got through this yeah. we've done the show again all the kids are out of the studio now we're setting up for CD UK <laughs> And if you watch any videos of um, Wonky Donkey that they used to do, that is that would definitely not be okay now because Deck is just absolutely slaughtering these kids who've called in. A friend of mine at school won Wonky Donkey. They won. Wow. Because yeah. I remember all the time watching it at home. I never called in or anything, but I remember watching it at home and I would often, sounds like I'm boasting now, I would often like guess what the answer was because I'm quite good with that sort of it was like puns and stuff wasn't it yeah and I remember getting frustrated and then yeah Deck would just be like no of course it's not that like proper shouting at these children just a little bit of light sadism on a Saturday um it's a bit like the sort of the equivalent of university challenge when you're 10 it's like if you get a wonky donkey at home you're like yeah I'm I'm smart Thanks very much to Chris Day. He's a bit of a dance. Line four, Monier, Delini from Northern Ireland. Good morning, Monier. Hi. All right, ten seconds. Shut up, Deck. What's this? Cricket kitty. No, Cricket no. Kitty. It's, 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 it's a kitten. It's a kitten that's got a soft spot for you. Very pleased. Cricket kitty. What? Cricket kitty. Shut up, we said it's a kitten. <laughs> it's Come a on. kitten, man. Listen to us. Turn up your telly. Anyone? Oh. Line five, Joseph Cowell from Staffordshire. Good morning. Hi. All right, Joseph, you're the last person this week. Otherwise, it goes to a rock and roll over next week. Ten seconds. Kitten who's got a soft spot for you. He really, Um, really likes it. What is it? Lady Kitten. uh, Oh, shut up! (laughs) Kitten, um... It's got a rhyme. Sleeping Kitten. It's got a soft spot for you. Soft spot kitten. Shut up! Shut up! Get out! Get out! Shut up! Get out! So the band go busking and they sing Reach, which is a brand new song at this point in time. 
never been performed in the show before and I'd love to know the thought process of <laughs> right how are we gonna debut this exciting new song they can perform it in a park in front of some benches to a small crowd of people it's quite um it's quite subdued I guess it's to get across the beautiful message of the song <laughs> it's the contrast isn't it it's kind of this is the real kind of rags moment even though like riches I guess are on the horizon even though we don't really get that's not the point of the episode it's it's such a weird arc I kind I'm really fond of this episode because it does seem to have this kind of like social commentary about like sort of the places in America that only really have like the locals and you just kind of stop in and then mm-hmm. other, like this sort of weird like recruitment of oh yeah no it's it's um the audience seem to be loving it though yeah they're pretty much throwing money at them aren't they they're loving it (laughs) but again it's not clear where the music is coming from um but the band are really going for it they are like going 100% here but obviously they managed to raise enough money for Rachel back at the trailer park after all this they are talking to Jimmy Bob about his birthday (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy Bob. And he, he says he's just getting a cake because the family don't have enough money for presents. Oh. And they start being all like, oh, you know, presents aren't that great anyway. And they start listing all these rubbish presents they've received. And Bradley, in front of this kid who has like literally nothing, says, oh, I once got season tickets for Liverpool. <sighs> And that's bad because apparently he's an Arsenal supporter. It's like, read the room, Bradley. (laughs) It's like, oh God, I'm so disadvantaged. I once got season tickets for the wrong football team. This poor kid is probably like, what? Privilege. It's everywhere. Check it. And John says one year he got a guinea pig and they go, oh, what's wrong with that? And he goes, it ate my hamster and runs <laughs> off fully crying like there are actual <laughs> tears going on that's sylvia young training there john can <laughs> clearly cry on cue <laughs> i want to see more of that i want to see more of john just bursting into tears mid-conversation with people more tears more trauma John's a powerful method actor. He's not appreciated. Like Daniel Day-Lewis has thrown in the towel and I think John could really (laughs) rise to take his place. And they're kind of getting ready for Rachel to leave now, aren't they? And the boys are loading all of the suitcases into the car and they go, oh, so that's the makeup then. Like such a dad sort of joke. (laughs) Like, oh, all these suitcases are just makeup. Again, she looks nice. What's the problem with just liking things? My word. And it, like, where is their luggage actually come to think of it? Like they're in what they're traveling in one car. How, how, yeah. like, is there something, do they post it ahead of them? Yeah. And Bradley brings out like a massive stack of CDs at one point in a bit, doesn't he? Like, where's he been storing that all this time? Hmm. But they ask Rachel when she's coming back and she's like, well, I don't know if I am. And they're all kind of like, what but how are you gonna sing in the band and this was confusing to me because I'm not sure why this hasn't occurred to them before I thought it was clear from the start that she was like leaving officially but they seem to 
be thinking that she was going to come back at some point. You think it'd be the first thing you'd run past her when she's like, I think I'm going to go back to England and they're so supportive. I mean, have they bought a return ticket? I'd probably be a bit miffed because it's probably more expensive, particularly in what, 99 transatlantic travel. Pretty pricey in those days. Yeah, because Hannah goes, oh, I thought you were going back. I didn't realise you were going back. (laughs) It's like, why? Why didn't you realise that? I thought we'd established this early on that she was leaving the band because she was going back to England, but they haven't seen it that way for some reason. It's bizarre. So they take her to the train station uh, and they give her lots of things for her to pass on to their families. I love this. Like messages and photos and all sorts. And Tina goes, can you tell my dance teacher I finally learned how to do this? And she does some (laughs) tap. And Rachel's like, yep, sure. Um, for, for some reason, it really made me laugh when Tina goes, tell my mum and dad that I miss them. And John goes, I tell my dog, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I actually put in my notes when he said that. I felt that, like, yeah. And I feel for John because <laughs> after Hamstergate, um, mm-hmm. how can he trust that his animals are still all right, maybe? I mean, bring the dog with you. Everyone needs a mascot. I don't think I could leave a dog if I were going going on tour but maybe that's just that's just it I'm not uh I don't know whether you know this about me Sophie but I'm not a member of a pop band (laughs) um so what do I know I like the jelly beans for Nan as well like Mm -hmm. yeah I love that they go to the train station as well yeah to know where the nearest airport is yeah it just feels quite like old old timey sort of train station as well sort of like a little brief encounter or the railway children moment yeah now that i think about it it did look really old-fashioned didn't it maybe because it's such a rural area maybe i'm not Mm, sure it's quite charming and actually now that i'm thinking about it it's quite weird for a guinea pig to eat a ham that's only just occurring to me now i didn't i didn't actually think about the logistics of that but i'm pretty sure if if anyone's listening and you know that this can happen let me know but i can't imagine a guinea pig eating a hamster no i mean maybe if they're in the same cage i'm not an expert on that kind of animal so i i defer to the experts but um it could have easily just said cat or something my cat ate it yeah i think it's, it, it would be a horror show probably if it if it is something that happens it could yeah traumatizing so rachel goes off on the train and as they walk off she just kind of yells good luck with the band <laughs> Like, I wonder if anyone watching at the time thought that she was actually leaving. Like, I wonder, because obviously we wouldn't have had, you know, Google and stuff at the time. Like, I wonder if we did genuinely just take it all in. I guess that's part of the jeopardy, isn't it? Because for me, back in 99, in my nine year old brain, I guess if it wasn't on the front cover of Top of the Pops, Pop Hits, <laughs> Miz. Um, you didn't really find Miz. out that stuff. Oh, Miz. Miz was a big one. Um, mm. I mean, maybe that's it. You're like, and it's this weird kind of um, how they play with what is based on real life in the show and what's just in the show. Because I, th- I think even though in a little kid mind, you know, it's not a documentary because they're playing themselves to, you know, I think you do sort of take things at face value when you're a little one in that mm-hmm. way you know it's kind of play but it's joe playing joe and hannah playing hannah 
I found it kind of prophetic because they then sort of refer to themselves as, oh, now we're S Club Six. And of course, yeah. in the future, when band members do start to leave, and it's like, well, maybe if you just called yourself S Club and didn't go so heavy on the number of how many of you there were, you'd be fine. And again, this mysterious S, what does it stand for? Yeah, and Paul's the one who says it as well, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He kind of presciently goes, oh, I suppose we're the S Club Six now. And they're all like, oh, it sounds so wrong. <sighs> and how wrong it was going to how wrong it was going to get. They just didn't know at that time. But yeah, what does the S stand for? I did look into this a while ago and it's not, there isn't one official answer. Apparently it could stand for Simon because of Simon Fuller founding the band, Yeah, which sounds quite, (laughs) it's not a great name, the Simon Club. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I think I heard as well that when they were kind of coming up with different names, one of the suggestions was like the Sugar Club. So it could stand for sugar. It doesn't really stand for anything, really, I don't think. But it's weird because it's one of those things we've heard so many times we've just accepted it as a name. But it is quite odd when you think about it. Right. I mean, I think we accept it because it sounds right. It just kind of scans. Like, the mm-hmm. the actual S club it's quite satisfying to say an S club seven maybe it's seven club seven um, mm. or maybe the S <laughs> just means what you want it to mean Sophie did yeah. you did you ever think <laughs> it's, it's Sophie club <laughs> when you were growing up <laughs> I don't know but I do now that's what it's called now to it's me. yours claimed. <laughs> It's like the name Strictly Come Dancing has always bothered me because it makes no sense, no. but you just hear it so many times. You're just like, yeah, Strictly Come Dancing, that's a thing that makes sense grammatically. Yeah. But at the time when it started, I was like, this show's called what? Yeah, because it's meant to be a combination of Strictly Ballroom and Come Dancing. But as you and I are both fans of puns, I'm a sucker for a portmanteau. It's just like, no, that doesn't no and then it's abbreviated to strictly which is wild um and then trying to explain it to anyone who doesn't know the show i mean it's called dancing with the stars in the u.s and you've got to admire them yeah. for just like applying this sort of ron seal rule of naming things like that's what it is <laughs> it's a sidewalk it's not a pavement <laughs> you walk on the side yes <laughs> so after they've dropped rachel off it's I guess it's later on now. It's nighttime at the trailer park. They're all kind of lying on the ground looking up at the stars. And Rachel suddenly shows up. She got off the train, friends reference. Um, she didn't go. She didn't go. She's, yeah, she's obviously decided to stay. She says that it's not fair. Uh, you know, you've all got people that you're missing as well. We have to Aww. stick together. And they, they tell her that she has to audition again. But then they're like, ah, only joking. And that is the boyfriend section of the show done. It's literally in two halves, this special, because then we just don't really think about Matt much. I mean, we have the fallout of Rachel's breakup. This is the point where she's like incredibly noble and is mm-hmm. on, on the high of like making the decision. I wonder at what point she realised this. Hopefully it was on the train because it must have been quite... Uh, it, it. And then did they get a refund on the ticket? <laughs> Yeah, they must do because she brings all the money back, doesn't she? And they're deciding what to do with it. So they, Yeah, we start chatting about like clothes and things. 
they're trying to decide what to do with all this money they've suddenly got and joe suggests that they should spend it on the family because they need it more than they do redistribution Uh, of wealth yes joe (laughs) yeah yeah exactly joe's being radical here she's kind of standing off at the side watching the kids playing on this messed up car uh, she obviously has a bit of a realisation. Yeah, she has this really wistful look. I love it. I love it. That's that's pure cinema, Sophie. And I'll <laughs> I dare anyone to change my mind. And Rachel needs to call her boyfriend because apparently she still hasn't told him that she isn't coming home. So I've just got this image of him like waiting at the airport or something because she hasn't told him yet. And she goes, I don't know how to tell him. And Bradley says... Oh, you just open your mouth and words come out in a special order. Like Bradley's being really harsh here because he then says to her, so what if he dumps you? You get depressed, you stay in bed all day crying, you look terrible, everyone gets fed up with you and they have to interrupt him because he's really going off (laughs) on on one, making Rachel feel terrible. Joe is the one who interrupts him and she says, why don't you go for a nice walk off the edge of a cliff? Which is, I think, another phrase I would like to hear the doll say. Yes. I'm going to bring back the Joe O'Meara doll with absolutely done with your bullshit feminist and radicalization <laughs> quotes. So Rachel goes off to call her boyfriend. Hannah and Paul make lunch for everyone and it's just completely burnt. Rachel comes back looking quite miserable and John quite insensitively starts filming her and asking the others what they think has happened. And Hannah goes, she don't look HP. <laughs> <laughs> I, we should have Stop. had a, we should have an HP counter. I didn't tally. I think it just didn't pass with me at all, and I was just like, I don't really understand what this is. Um, I, I do like Hannah's time zone memory tip though, because Hannah's always like framed as like being quite ditzy, but I think she's actually got her head screwed on more than made out to be, because she just says England is always one meal ahead of us, and I love mm-hmm. the way she thinks. It's 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 really good. They open up a, a national debate by referring to the midday meal as dinner, which <laughs> I would call lunch. I would also call it lunch. Yeah, because I was confused for a second. I was like, wait, w- what time are they saying it is? Because they just say it's dinner time, but no, it's lunch time, apparently. <laughs> so Rachel breaks the news to everyone. Matt has officially chucked her is the terminology she uses and they're all quite surprised weirdly they shouldn't be (laughs) Um, and i I like i like this moment where hannah says that she can have an extra sausage to cheer her up (laughs) and she just plonks this like solid black thing down on her plate i thought that was quite a good comedy moment there it's so comforting yes thank you for this uh this bit of charcoal (laughs) It's really cheered me up. I do then like how everyone then sort of goes on like shifts to look after Rachel and to try and like pep her up. Um, And my favourite bit is where John sort of says to her, you know, there's plenty more fish in the sea. She says, I don't want to fish, I want a boyfriend. And then John comes back with, statistically, fish are more reliable than boyfriends, which I would also like in a John doll. Um, as sort of quote, <laughs> and I know it was a little while until John himself in real life, IRL, uh, came out. But I just think every it, there's this nice kind of soft coding that John is gay throughout the whole thing because mm. I think that's a really sort of like I don't know. I, I, like my note is literally just like it's the best gay friend a gal could ask for. Like that's just funny. It's a funny line. 
and and I feel like it's almost maybe a reference to you know women need men as much as fish need a bicycle possibly I don't know Mm -hmm. I'm probably reading far too much into this but it's one of my favorite things to do Sophie (laughs) that's what this podcast is for we're analyzing this in too much detail it's good to come home thank you because John has been quite supportive but then he goes back to the rest of the group and is like right someone else's turn now (laughs) like they're all taking it in turns to just then none of them are that really they're being supportive of Rachel but when it's just them they're kind of rolling their eyes like oh can she just get over it already Mm. Matt's bad news yeah, Tina suggests they have a party and she says we can invite loads of blokes for Rachel to get off with. Oh, this, gets, <laughs> this is where it gets really weird. Yeah, I think this is the point when I was watching it and I was like, we're only a bit over halfway through. What's What else is going to happen now? Yeah. But they decide to throw a birthday party for Jimmy Bob and invite some random guy for Rachel who they're going to pick up on the street somewhere because we get a montage of Hannah and Bradley buying food for the party while Tina and Paul are just approaching random men with a clipboard and a microphone. Are they also, I've got, like, is there not something about them getting twiglets? And I was like, they've been in America for a while now. I don't think they do twiglets unless you go to, like, one of those english specific shops like we have american candy store every like scattered about but i love a twiglet like yep perfect party food it is really like this is what happened before dating apps and again it's that really kind of (laughs) playground thing of like my friend fancies you but they're quite in terms of what they think rachel likes or or asking the men first who do you fancy oh yeah again quite uncomfortable and also just encourage her to be single surely like why why would you want to yeah. uh, sort of pair her off straight away because she could stay in that trailer park and then you're right back at square one with s club six yeah I, I love the way tina approaches this by going we're doing a survey on american boys <laughs> and that they're like yeah sure and they all <laughs> yeah because the first question is what type of girls do you like and the first guy goes tall blondes and tina's like that's the wrong answer and storms off i think tina's quite good here i think this is her finest moment and she asks the the next question is what do you think of the name rachel which is so specific and you'd think that no one would have an extreme view on this but one guy is like oh i hate it so he's dismissed it's quite nice to have a kind of a friend doing a filter of potential suitors for you though and yeah it's she makes it very official doesn't she tina's been quite sort of she had the whole military thing earlier and now she's like right i'm gonna find my friend a new man i need a clipboard i need a microphone paul is filming it for some reason like it's a real sort of dating agency thing yeah she's determined i guess it kind of reminds me of like was it date dating on the street with that sort of old davina mccall thing or it was like, oh, oh meet right. this person, meet this person. Do you fancy each other? Will you just like go out? But yeah, the military aspect to Tina comes in. She's probably got like heavy Virgo in her chart. It's very methodical. So here we are in the middle of the street trying to find a new boyfriend for Rachel. Hello. Oh, hi there. At last, we're doing a survey on American boys and we'd just like to ask you a few things. Okay. What kind of girls do you like? Tall blondes. 
That's the wrong answer. Wait, 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 wait. Can I get another go? No! I like brunettes. Brunettes. That's good. And what do you think of the name Rachel? No, I hate it. My sister's name Rachel, and we fight all the time. How about the name Tina? Yeah, I like Tina. Tina, we're not doing this for you. <laughs> I know. So, what names do you like? Beverly. Now there's a cute name. Do you think Rachel changed her name to Beverly? So, John and Joe are still at the trailer park with Rachel. They're saying that they need to make her associate Matt with bad things so she won't want to think of him. And they say to her, is that clear? And she goes, about as clear as a blackboard in a broom cupboard on a dark night with the lights off. <laughs> Stella writing there. <laughs> yes, what an evocative analogy. And I'm impressed she managed to remember all of that. That's quite her mouthful. But John starts asking her questions. And whenever she mentions Matt, Joe like hits her foot with a huge mallet that they've got from somewhere. It's this really severe aversion therapy. And I was like, is this from like a Michael Haneke film? What's happened? <laughs> like the sort of slapstick violence that is actually like... I think that's really quite painful. And after a while, they're like, this isn't working. And Joe goes, should I hit her harder? <laughs> I'm going to leave that off the quotes list. I think kicking <laughs> inanimate objects and telling terrible people to walk off cliffs rather than hitting your friends with mallets. Yeah, for some reason, we then see Joe buying some car parts and she seems to be kind of flirting with the guy who's working there. But then she goes, do you like brunettes? So she was kind of flirting with him, but she's had Rachel in mind, which is quite a nice thing to do for a friend again. Yeah. But I looked up this I looked up this actor. He's been in quite a lot compared to most other actors who've been in Miami 7. His name's Jay Kenneth Johnson, and he was in Days of Our Lives, you know, <gasps> that soap yes. in America. And he was in 1,351 episodes of it. So I guess he had a big role. I mean, that's I'm a bit speechless by that achievement. Well done, JKJ. Yeah, and he was also in Scrubs for a bit. I don't know him, but this is a he had quite a a big IMDb page in comparison to most of the other people I look up for this podcast. Grafter, in the case of Sage, Sage. doesn't have an IMDb page. I want to know what's happened to Sage. If you're listening, Sage, get in touch. Let us know you're all right. We wish you the best. Then back at the trailer park, drama, Jimmy Bob has gone missing. Uh, his mum told him that his dad couldn't come over for his birthday, so he ran off. And Paul kind of gets a bit distracted and leaves Hannah hanging from a tree, doesn't he? I mean, this sort of, uh, again, playground kind of flirting where Hannah's life is literally in danger is, is a strange... Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange tone to strike. Because he just leaves her hanging there and then she falls off in the end on top of him and she starts like properly beating him up, like kicking him in the stomach while he's on the floor. We get another sort of military thing now, don't we? Because John yes. is coming up with a plan to find Jimmy Bob. He has he has maps in both 2D and 3D. Yeah. Like, he's really gone all in on this. And to be fair, a child's life is at stake, so I respect that. But it's interesting how John and Tina are the ones who kind of lean into the military kind of style more readily than others. 
um, maybe something questionable there. Yeah, I want to know where this map has come from because it's quite simple. And I was wondering, was this map around anyway because one of the kids had drawn it at some point? Or has John specifically drawn it in the moment for this purpose because they need to search? I mean, it's it's a great impromptu skill to have. John tells them all to synchronise watches, but none of them have watches. So they say that they can synchronise their freckles instead. And for some reason, I really remember that bit from when I was younger. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but for some reason, that little joke stayed with me to do with synchronising our freckles. I must have found it really funny at the time or something, unless it was in something else as well. But it was probably from this. Because when it happened, I was like, oh, is that where that's from? Yeah. I'm not sure if it's it's what came first, the kind of dad joke or um, every TV show at this point being written by dads. <laughs> so they all go off looking for Jimmy Bob, don't they? Joe and Paul managed to lose Hannah in a sunflower field. I would have liked to see more of this field because it's really beautiful compared to where the rest of the episode is set it's gorgeous and we met we sort of have mention of it on the map and you're like why didn't you have a wander there before surely that's a beautiful <laughs> like spot just whilst you're there hanging about um i felt a little bit anxious when they were in the sunflower field because it reminded me of a quiet place and like any sort of oh i haven't film. seen it yet oh there's like and i guess it wasn't even sunflowers but like spooky things with like in wheat fields and stuff and i was like is something awful right. gonna happen because i don't remember <laughs> this bit maybe i've blocked it out but i do believe that s club are capable of anything at this point particularly in the specials we've already traveled back in time yeah they lose hannah don't they but she's quite quickly reunited with them and she has somehow figured out her way around the field like she's become one with it and she knows the route out and she's also given all of the flowers names like boris and betty boris see she's savvy everyone thinks she's ditzy but i think she's she's plucky and built to survive there's all sorts of stuff going on because they're searching in different parties tina and bradley see a snake and bradley freaks out and goes <laughs> it's gonna pop on me <laughs> Such a strange concern. <laughs> anyone? I know we've already made a request. We've made several requests through this, but um, anyone who's like zoologists or anyone, so like we've got the guinea pig <laughs> hamster thing, but also do snakes pop? We would love to know. <laughs> Is that a real threat? Yeah. <laughs> Is it <laughs> fatal? <laughs> I had to rewind it a few times because I was like, is that actually what he's saying? But it is. It's not, it's going to bite me. It's going to pop on me. And he like jumps on Tina's back because he's so scared. She can carry his full weight. Maybe it, Maybe she went to military boot camp and she's just got like actually quite a deceptive sort of level of muscle tone, but she seems to carry him for quite some distance. Yeah, Tina's a proper dancer. She's uh, She's strong. Rachel is the one who finds Jimmy Bob. She says, um, oh, I knew you'd be here because it's the loneliest part of the beach. He's kind of sitting on some rocks and they have a bit of a conversation about how they're both missing people. She asks him if he cried about his dad and he's like, what? And she says, boys cry too sometimes. I mean, I should know. I've made them. <laughs> I like that line. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is a beautiful bit of dialogue. But I worry that it's like, um, well, I was a bit concerned like Rachel's sort of penchant for really like unsuitable men was going to reach a crescendo here. But when she manages to kind of counsel him enough to like come back to the fray, they do put like their arms around each other and she like moves his hand away from her waist. Yeah. I noticed that. She's like holding it, isn't she? Like as if she's trying to keep it in that uh, on her hips. It's like, don't try anything, even if we're acting. Like, yeah, I think Rachel's a, an unsung hero of femininity in this episode, to be honest. <laughs> so we get an emotional moment. Two in a million kicks in. We see the mum and the kid reunited. And the band are then performing at this lavish birthday party they've organised with lots of food and decorations. And the song is weirdly kind of interspersed with shots of Joe, Hannah and Paul in the sunflower field. And <laughs> Paul is like using a flower as a mic at one point. I mean, you know, they've maybe they're just getting their worth out of the sunflower field now. Like they haven't up until this point. <laughs> while we're here let's just do a few extra shots of you guys miming but only the three of you who are here already we won't get the rest of the band in nah too much of a too much of a hassle for a location move but it turns out as a surprise for the family joe has fixed their car the guy from the shop shows up to drop off some brake lights at the last minute and he and Rachel have a weird sort of immediate connection where there's loads of people there but he immediately sort of fixes eyes with her and she asks him if he wants to stay for a bit doesn't she heavy vibing quite inappropriate in front of the children I'll be honest yeah, she says something about sticky buns as well, doesn't she? Get some sticky buns. Yeah, get, get some sticky buns. In. It's like a bit um, Jill Tyrrell or something. There. <laughs> there is a flash of Jill in her, our favourite. Um, it's a bit suggestive. Would you like suggestive? to stay for some sticky buns? It's a bit suggestive. Could have just could have just said biscuits. Um, there's a lot of chocolate chat. Then pretty much as soon as they've met, it seems like they're all getting ready to leave. And they're all, even though they've literally set her up with this guy, they're all like, come on, Rachel, hurry up. We need to go. And he says to her, can't you stay? And she goes, I can't leave the band. It's been a great hour and a half, though. <laughs> Sometimes all you need is 90 minutes. And they share a bit of a kiss. They do. I was like, they actually kiss. Wow. And it's quite, it's reasonably chaste for pre-watershed yeah they've had a great hour and a half with each other and i like how he is quite he wants her to stay after an hour and a half she's like, uh, that's a bit it's a bit much she's a bewitching woman sophie davis is our rachel stevens and it it ends with them all saying goodbye to the family the band set off in their car and at the same time the family also set off in their car and they're all kind of like see you in california and I'm I'm interested to see whether they come up again, but I'm I'm willing to put money on them not coming up again. Yeah, I don't feel like they're are they even driving the same way as them, or are they taking a different a different route? I don't know because they're both going to California, so they should be driving the same way. I didn't notice, to be honest. I'm not yeah. sure. And California is a big place. They don't say see you in LA. You know, they could be uh, mm. you know West Covina. That's a crossover episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a big place, but optimistic and sweet. So that's the end. Are there any other 
any other things that you picked up on or any final thoughts on the episode i mean you know where to where to start sophie it's funny like watching it again and then talking about it with you now and i still can't really make a lot of sense of it but it just kind of <laughs> zigzags wildly between different things I, I yeah joe is it joe is a proper like a proper activist in this which i appreciate john's quite salty mm-hmm. and fun there's some there's some decent like sweet little gags but yeah it is boyfriends and birthdays it's kind of like a, a clear split and it's nice to see their sweet faces in in the bloopers i mean i just wonder how this got pitched like after traveling back to the 50s and then it's just like oh well rachel breaks up with her boyfriend and they just managed to yeah redistribute wealth <laughs> and make life better for one family so before before we finish where can people find you on twitter and is there anything in particular that you want to plug you can find me on twitter at benita emily and on instagram as well at emily underscore benita basically various different combinations of emily and benita you'll you'll find me on that there internet um i don't have an imdb page anymore i'm a bit like sage um i i just uh <laughs> it, it just um my subscription ran out and started to get a bit too pricey because IMDb Pro, you know, it's it's coins. And in terms of plugging things, uh, obviously I have no live dates coming up anytime soon. Um, but my comedy wife, Rachel Ann Clark, and I have had our own podcast in lieu of our regular night, The Salon. Um, and it's called uh, The Salon's Quarantine Party. We've had some cracking guests and our first series has just finished. Um, so if you find us on Twitter at Ambush the Salon, um, you'll be able to get even more podcast goodness. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review.